But Glenn Barrow told me something um, 24 years ago before I got saved, something that absolutely blew my mind. And I still remember this one statement verbatim. Uh, He said that if I die without Christ, I would die without hope and spend eternity in hell. I remember that is verbatim what Glenn Barrow told me way back in 1996. And that one statement, although I'd heard about Jesus all of my life, I never heard that statement put in that way. There are businesses that are suited to handle a COVID-19 without interruption because I like building stuff around the house. So I'm in Home Depot a lot. Um, But when COVID-19 happened, all Home Depot did was shift their sales. And so all I had to do, I could still love Home Depot. I just got online and then had the stuff delivered to my front door. No, no harm, no foul. Everything went on as normal. There are some businesses that are tailored to shift like that with no interruption. The church is not a such organization. The church, the church is meant to be in fellowship with one another. What COVID-19 has done is create this cloud of distrust amongst the believers. But here's an interesting part that Johns Hopkins said when I was reading last night. If anybody didn't know, we're in the midst of a flu season. Year to date right now, we've only had two deaths from flu. And here's what Johns Hopkins said. that, And it was an anomaly because he says, how can the flu numbers be down? And he attributes that to wearing a mask and social distancing. But if the flu numbers are down because of mask and social distancing, how can then the corona numbers be up if you're wearing the mask and social distancing? We should be more busier for the things of God if we're in the environment that we're in right now. If we're in this cultural, this cultural free fall, this racial free fall, this pandemic free fall, and we see things culminating to a certain time, we should be busier for the things of God, not coasting in the things of God. Everybody, I just don't believe that God would have us to do that. I told you at the beginning of the podcast, 366 times God has told us, do not be afraid. And so listen, everybody, please hear me. As a pastor, I am not telling you to be arbitrary, to be willy-nilly or anything like that. But what I am telling you is that your faith has to supersede your fear. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you for joining us here again on the set of Studio B. Make sure that wherever you're watching us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube, that you like, subscribe, follow, comment, uh, so that you don't miss one single episode of Studio B. I got some exciting news that now you can also find us on Apple, on Podcasts, on Podbeam, on uh, Spotify. We are now on additional platforms. So wherever you access your podcast that you can also find Studio B. So we want to make Make sure that you go to those particular platforms and also subscribe to our podcast. It would be greatly beneficial. And I want to thank all of those who tune in every single week to Studio B. Uh, your viewership is not taken for granted. Thank you so much for supporting us here um, on the set. Uh, today is a day that I'm in a studio by myself. Of course, we got my team, and I think it's important that I introduce that team. Many of you don't know who works behind the scenes, uh, but I got the one and only Steve Miller on the audios, on the ones and twos. And then I got Miss Dominique Kennard being on the cameras and she's doing all that she does in the editing, makes it all look nice with the music and all of the different angles. So we got a, a, a wonderful team here on Studio B that does and brings forth uh, excellent podcasts every single week. Uh, but today I'm actually at the table by myself. Uh, on this particular episode, because I got a lot that's on my heart and I want to I want to try to express it in a way that is uh, palatable and and make sure that when we bring things here on Studio B, that it is relevant um, to your everyday life, um, that it is hitting you on Main Street, but also provides you a bridge um, to what God says about those particular moments. Let me just tell you this. I am unashamedly, unabashedly a Christian. Uh, I believe in the word of God. I believe that God's word is true. 
Um, I believe that God came in the person of Jesus Christ, hung on the cross and died for our sins, rode on, rose on the third day with all power and glory in his hand. And I do believe that those who confess him to be Lord uh, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So I am a born again Christian. Um, I try to pattern my worldview, my my biblical views according to the word of God so that um, God ultimately leads me in my uh, decision making. Um, but today, let me kind of let you know how this whole thing's uh, this conversation that we're getting ready to get in, how it came to be. Um, I got saved on March the 8th, 1998, and I was led to Christ by a man by the name of Glenn Barrow. Uh, Glenn Barrow was a man that for the first time in my life, now granted, I grew up in church all of my life, but this was one of the first men that I saw that actually walked out the word of God. He actually walked out the Bible. Um, this was a man that not only uh, talked about Jesus, but loved Jesus. You could see it in his conversation. You could see it with his interactions with people. And this man was pivotal in my life in leading me to faith in Christ. And so on March the 8th, 1998, um, I believed on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. And I've been walking with Christ for the last uh, 22 years. Matter of fact, this year made 22 years of me walking in fellowship with God. But Glenn Barrow told me something um, 24 years ago before I got saved, something that absolutely blew my mind. And I still remember this one statement verbatim. Uh, he said that if I die without Christ, I would die without hope and spend eternity in hell. I remember that is verbatim what Glenn Barrow told me way back in 1996 when I started working his job where we were co-workers on. I remember that particular statement verbatim. That's exactly how I said it. I remember the tone. Uh, we were standing outside of the warehouse. I still remember what he had on. I still remember the conversation. And that one statement, although I had heard about Jesus all of my life, I never heard that statement put in that way. And it really took me on uh, on this journey that I'm currently even now still on, because I said to myself, if if what you're saying is true, that if I don't accept Jesus Christ, I'll die without hope and spend eternity in hell. That means that Jesus is a pretty big deal. Um, that means that this guy, Jesus, is not just something that I can treat uh, cavalier. I really need to investigate this guy. And so it sent me on this journey of discovering who Christ is. And, and I've been on this journey for now 22 years. My wife will tell you that I research. Um, sometimes I can be more of a pessimist than I can be an optimist. Um, I try to be driven by the data. Um, uh, sometimes to my detriment and even to my benefit at times, I'm not a very emotionally involved guy. I don't try to make emotional decisions. I try to be well balanced in my approach. Um, I love to read. I love the research process. I love the digging. I love the investigative process. Uh, those kind of things excite me. I am a self-professed nerd with, 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 with all due respect. But I, I tried to investigate things that are very important. If it's going to move my life in one way or another, I want to make sure that I do my due diligence in finding out as much as I possibly can about the subject that is going to be affecting my life. And I've been like that all of my life. And so when, Jim, when Glenn told me about that, about Christ, I said, wow, man, I really need to know who this Jesus Christ is. Um, I really need to investigate him. And so I spent the last 22 years of my life, that's in personal Bible study, that's in seminary, that's in college courses, that's in this, that's in that. I've done a whole lot of study over these last 22 years to come to a point of understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And I've arrived at a place in my life to not where I have exhausted all the options, but I am comfortable and settled in my spirit that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is. He is the son of God. Uh, he was born of a Virgin Mary. Uh, he did die on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in a tomb. He did resurrect on the third day. He did ascend to heaven 50 days later. He now sits at the right hand of the father, making intercession for you and I. I believe all of those things, not because it's convenient to believe, but because I've done the research. 
Uh, I've personally been to Israel three times. Uh, I've walked the streets of Galilee or the roads of Galilee. I've been to Capernaum. Uh, I've been to Calvary. I've went to Pilate's house. I've seen the Via Della Rosa. I've walked down that um, that dreaded road where he had to carry that cross for up to a mile and to ultimately get to Golgotha's Hill. I've been to all of those particular places. I've sailed on the Sea of Galilee. I've been to the places where Jesus himself has been. And so I've done extensive research in my Christian life about this person named Jesus Christ. And so the research led me to a place to where I am right now, to where I can confidently say that Jesus Christ is the way to God. That John 14 and 6 is true, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except they come by him. Uh, I have done the research. It is there. It is provable. Um, it is not arbitrary. It is not mixed with a whole bunch of feelings and emotions. Uh, Jesus Christ was an actual person that walked the streets of earth, and he did exactly what the Bible said that he did. And so I bring that up because um, even in this current situation that I'm in right now, that is notwithstanding. Um, we are in a time right now in 2020 to where this pandemic called COVID-19 has literally turned the world upside down. And I'm not being overdramatic with that. Uh, I'm not trying to get, uh, you know, not trying to excite you with that statement. But this pandemic of COVID-19 coronavirus has literally turned the world upside down. And so every news station that you turn on, you see COVID-19. Um, every report that you see has got to do with COVID-19. The alerts that come up on your phone has got to do with COVID-19. COVID-19 has kind of blanketed um, the landscape of where we are in America, and not just America, but worldwide. And so I said to my wife a few months ago, maybe around June, um, if COVID-19 is this big of a deal, I need to find out what COVID-19 is. Uh, the same way that I did with Jesus, because Jesus has such a profound impact on my life, I had to do the same thing with COVID-19 and really try to discover what this thing was, how it's going to affect my life, how it was going to affect my daily interactions. And so about six months ago in June, whenever that was, yes, about six months ago, five months ago, uh, I began to go on this journey about um, doing the research. Now, I am not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination. I do not claim to be one. I do not have a medical degree. I did not go to medical school, um, but I've done the research to the best of my ability from Johns Hopkins, um, from Harvard studies, Harvard medical studies, from the CDC. Uh, I've looked up at all of these particular entities and the experts that claim to be the authority on COVID-19 and have done the research myself um, because it's important for me to be in a place to where I can confidently communicate whatever beliefs that I may have. And so I've done this research and I did this research because if you're watching this right now, you know that COVID-19, whether it has directly impacted your life, it has indirectly impacted your life. Uh, financially, we've had 56 million Americans this year in 2020 alone that have filed for unemployment. We have had 100,000 businesses that have closed their doors that will never open their doors again. We got 32,000 churches that have closed their doors that will never congregate again. Uh, we are under mask orders. We are under stay at home orders. Um, we're under orders to where they say if you violate these orders, you are threatened with arrest and, and fines. We're in a whole different world right now. Uh, our kids, those of us who have school age kids, whether that's in primary school or in college, um, their school years have been turned upside down. Um, COVID-19 has had a dramatic impact in our world today, and it has ushered in what I believe a whole new system that is going to be around, unfortunately, in my opinion, for a very long time to come. And because COVID-19 has had such a dramatic impact on our world, I wanted to find out what it is about it. I, I really wanted to try to, uh, you know, unpackage this thing and talk about, you know, what does it mean to affect me, my family, my way of life, my community, my friends, my faith? Uh, how do I live out in this world? Because if you're looking at 2019, never in my 47 years have I ever seen such fear, um, Fear is 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 pervasive in the land. And I want if you can, if you're old enough, just to go back to some very pivotal times in our history, uh, go back to September the 11th, um, 2001. Um, I was working at a job. I was in the break room. We were getting ready to get started for our day's work. And at 938 in the morning, this news thing came on in the break room. Bam, you got uh, planes going into the World Trade Centers in New York. 
Uh, everybody remembers where they were 2011, excuse me, 2001, September the 11th. Everybody knows what they were doing. Everybody knows where they were because it was such a traumatic event. And for the first couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, <clears throat> there was this anxiety about getting on planes. Uh, people didn't want to travel anymore. People were taking buses. They were taking trains. They were traveling across the country in cars. They did not want to get on planes. But if you look at 2001, in September of 2001, you had about three months of anxiety of people getting on planes. But if you look at the the the, the graphs of post 9-11, you'll see that those fears subsided in 2002, around about February to March of 2002. The planes, uh, uh, airplane sales and, and people getting back on planes begin to start going back up. And so you had about three to four months of anxiety right after 2011 because of what had happened with those terrorist attacks. You look at 2003, where we had SARS, um, um, uh, you, when you had SARS and you had MERS, you had all of these particular things that were going on in the world that caused a lot of anxiety in people, but it did not last as long. What you're seeing right now in 2020 is not just caution, but it is fear. Um, and I have a I have a problem with how we are reacting to um, the COVID-19. And so I just want to bring some things to your attention today and ask yourself a question. I want to ask you this from a very sincere place in my heart. Uh, why are you so scared? Why are you fearing? Um, when I begin to start to try to put this stuff together um, and try to ask God about, you know, what what does this mean? Um, I looked at that word fear and began to start doing a word search and a word study on the word fear and going all the way back to Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelations. And I found that the word fear, do not fear or fear in some form in the Bible is mentioned some 366 times. But the first time that the book, uh, excuse me, that the word do or the phrase do not fear is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 15, verse number one. But before I get there in Genesis chapter number six, there's this man named Noah and God comes to Noah and he says, Noah, I'm getting ready to annihilate the earth. I'm getting ready to flood the earth. And the only people that's going to survive is you and your family. I'm getting ready to flood all of the earth, all of it. That is the complete annihilation of man. Then the only people that's going to survive this flood is going to be you and your family. And notice that in, in that particular prognosis that God gave Noah, that apocalyptic moment, God never tells Noah not to fear. God never tells Noah not to fear. Now, Noah is facing a cataclysmic event that is getting ready to wipe people off of the face of the planet. And God says that the only people that are going to survive are going to be you and your family. And I asked myself, well, God, why didn't you tell Noah not to fear? That seems like a pretty big deal if you come to a person like me and say, I'm getting ready to flood the entire world and I'm only going to save you and your family. But here's what I need you to do. It seems like there will be some anxiety in receiving a revelation like that from God. But that's not what we find with Noah. And in Genesis chapter six, verse number 22, here's what it says of Noah. Noah did this and he did all that God had commanded him. And then in verse number nine of Genesis chapter number six, it says that Noah was a righteous man in his generation because he walked with God. And God began to deal with me about fear because I want you to think about something. Fear is based in your belief. Maybe obedience and walking with God are the key to not having fear. We can learn a lot from Bob about what Noah did because Noah did not fear. And why didn't Noah fear? Because it clearly says that Noah was a righteous man and he did what God had called for him to do. So when we're walking in obedience to God, God removes fear from our life. There is no need to fear. There's absolutely no need to fear if we are truly walking with God. And in this landscape where we as the church have been called to be the salt and the light of the world, Matthew chapter number five, we have now seen churches close their doors. And let me tell you why this is important to the house of God. There are businesses that are suited to handle a COVID-19 without interruption. Uh, I'm on record as being I stay at Home Depot because I like building stuff around the house. So I'm at Home Depot a lot. Um, but when COVID-19 happened, all Home Depot did was shift their sales. And so all I had to do, I could still love Home Depot. I just got online and then had the stuff delivered to my front door. No, no harm, no foul. Everything went on as normal. There are some businesses that are tailored to shift like that with no interruption. The church is not a such organization. 
And here's why. Because when God created man, he said for man that it's not good that man should be alone. The church, the church is meant to be in fellowship with one another. What COVID-19 has done is create this cloud of distrust amongst the believers. And so what that has done is affect fellowship. Now, I want you to see some things about this whole thing about COVID-19, because this COVID-19 is uh, a pandemic, And when I started looking at the World Health Organization, the CDC, when I started looking at Johns Hopkins University, when I started looking at Harvard Medical, when I started looking at all of these particular things, I wanted to try to backtrack and look at where COVID came from. What did it mean? How is it impacting our lives? Well, let me give you a little bit of understanding of what coronavirus is. Now, here's the disclaimer. It's going to be at the bottom of the screen. I am not a doctor, but this is well researched and you can find it on your own. On February the 11th, 2020, the World Health Organization announced the official name for the disease causing the uh, 2019 novel coronavirus outbreak. The new name of this disease is Coronavirus Disease 2019 or abbreviated COVID-19. COVID-19, CO stands for Corona, VI stands for virus, D stands for D, and then 19, which is the year in which it was discovered. So we got coronavirus, or the official name is COVID-19. And this was the year that it was classified. Now, coronavirus is named for the crown-like spikes on the surfaces, which was a large family of viruses that are common, hear this, that are common in people of many different species of animals, including camels, cattle, cats, and what's this last one? Bats. This coronavirus is in many different types and forms. In 2009, in 2020, it's not the coronavirus, it's a coronavirus. Coronavirus has been in the U.S. before. Matter of fact, we had coronavirus in 2003. We had coronavirus in 2006. We called them SARS and MERS. So we had MERS, which is Middle East Respiratory Syndrome that came from Saudi Arabia, affected about 9,000 people in the earth, excuse me, uh, in the globe, and only about 177 people died from that. And then we had SARS, which is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, which came from Asia. And so we've had versions of coronavirus all throughout history. And I need you to hear this. Coronavirus has been around not just for decades, but for centuries. As a matter of fact, if you look at this little Clorox bottle right now, you'll see on the back of it, if you read it, it says that this particular thing is meant for corona or human coronavirus. It's been there. But the coronavirus that we are now experiencing today is commonly uh, used or commonly affects the upper respiratory tract. So it is not the coronavirus, it's a coronavirus. And it's been here before. One of the things that we had in 2009, which was a very, very big deal, y'all remember this, it was the H1N1 or what we call the swine flu. Uh, The swine flu affected 60 million Americans. 60 million Americans got infected by the swine flu in 2009 and 2010. And yet in 2009 and 2010, there was not a mass panic and a mass fear, even though 60 million Americans were affected by H1N1 or the swine flu. So the key symptoms of this particular thing is respiratory uh, uh, symptoms and mild coughs, which would uh, bring us to uh, what coronavirus is actually attacking when it gets into um, the body or into the streams. Uh, This particular uh, virus, the coronavirus, COVID-19 specifically, the first case was uh, diagnosed on November the 17th, 2019 in Hubei, China. Um, And it was by a 55-year-old man who was experiencing some respiratory problems. The first case in the U.S. was on January the 19th, 2020, with a man from uh, Washington State. And this man from Washington State, a 35-year-old man, had just reported that he had came back from Wuhan, China, on January the 15th. He was experiencing some shortness of breaths and some mild coughs, and he was coming back from China when he saw the CDC issue the warning for coronavirus from those who had been traveling from China. This same man, this 35-year-old man that had the first case in the U.S. on January the 19th, 2020, had also admitted that he had been in the wet markets in China. 
Now, for those who don't know what the wet markets are, the wet markets are these markets where any and all animals that you can possibly think of are there. So you got any and all species from the birds to the fish in the sea and everywhere in between in what are called wet markets. Now, we know that this particular coronavirus, uh, the one that is affecting us today, is primarily found in birds and mammals. And there are very important pathogens to these birds and mammals. There are four classifications of this coronavirus. There is one, the alpha coronavirus, two, the beta coronavirus, three, the gamma coronavirus, and D, the delta coronavirus. The alpha coronavirus and the, belta and, and the beta coronavirus are found exclusively in animals, whereas the gamma coronavirus and the delta coronavirus primarily affect birds. And the identification of this severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS, which is what coronavirus is, was prompted the intense research of how these things came to be and cross borders from these distant countries. Now, we know that coronavirus, the one that is affecting the United States of America and beyond, are coming specifically from birds and bats. We know that. So what is this effect going to do on our culture? When we begin to start looking at the coronavirus and its inception and how it came to be where it is right now, we find that there are some very disturbing facts about coronavirus. Coronavirus is has a 98.6% survival rate. We have targeted through the CDC, John Hopkins University, have targeted the most vulnerable people to coronavirus as those being over 65 with underlying health issues. Those are the major impact uh, target demographic that is affected by coronavirus or COVID-19. Now, notwithstanding that those are the only people that can get corona, but with a 98.6% survival rate, those are the demographics that coronavirus uh, affects more dramatically. Since November the 1st, since coronavirus came into um, uh, the United States, we have tested 79,611,982 cases. We have a positive test result of 7,873,739. That's about a 10% positivity rate. Now, the, now, here's the problem with that. When we are testing, uh, we have the false positive rate being somewhere between 5 all the way up to 30% at the false positive rate. And there are two different ways by which you can, you know, get a test for coronavirus. Uh, the primary way, which is the most cheapest way, is how we're getting the most false positive results, okay? But you want your false positive results to be somewhere around between 0 .001 and zero. You don't want a very high false positive rate because that means that you were given a fault, that you were given a, a, a test result of positive, but you didn't actually uh, test positive. So if you consider that almost 8 million people have tested positive for the coronavirus and you have anywhere from a 5 to a 25% false positive rate, those numbers can begin to get skewed. And so now we have a big push to be tested. Well, the problem with the test is that we are testing for the sake of the results. So as you are being tested and you come with a positive test result, here's the remedy for that positive test result for the, for the most part. Now, there are some ones who have underlying issues that have to get some medical treatment, medical treatment immediately thereafter. But if you are tested positive with COVID-19 and these tests that we are taking, here's the remedy. You need to go and isolate yourself for 14 days so that the virus runs its course. So you get tested positive for COVID-19, but yet you're not given any antibodies. You're not given any type of medicines. You're not, get, you're not forced to go and see a doctor. You are told to go home and quarantine and allow the disease to fight itself or to run its course. Now, those in the old school know what that's about because, you know, when you would get a cold in the old days and, and you know, mama would wrap you up in 39 different blankets, put some, you know, some Vicks rub on your checks and make you, you, you sweat it out. So the problem with the test is that, yes, the test numbers are going up and that needs to be. Listen, everybody, that's par for the course, because if you're testing more people, you're going to get more test positive results. So the numbers are going to go up. 
But here's an interesting part that Johns Hopkins said when I was reading last night. If anybody didn't know, we're in the midst of a flu season. We're in the midst of a real flu season right now. Year to date, and the flu season started September 1, year to date right now, we've only had two deaths from flu. And here's what Johns Hopkins said. That, and it was an anomaly because he says, how can the flu numbers be down? And he attributes that to wearing a mask and social distancing. But if the flu numbers are down because of mask and social distancing, how can then the corona numbers be up if you're wearing the mask and social distancing? So the doctor from Johns Hopkins says we have an anomaly here. We have the flu numbers down uh, the first time in the last 15 years that numbers have been this low during the flu season. And we're directly in the middle of a flu season right now. Flu numbers are dramatically down, but yet COVID numbers are dramatically up. And if the flu numbers are down because we are wearing a mask, why then is not the coronavirus numbers down? And so here's one of the reasons that I would tell you this, everybody, because if you got a severe diagnosis, I would hope that you would do this. I I, I would hope that you would do this. You would want to go and figure out everything about the diagnosis that you just had. You would exhaust yourself in research. You would go and read every book. You would read every article that you could possibly get your hand on if you got a severe diagnosis. And we're living in 2020 right now where the pandemic, and it is the word pandemic, that goes from coast to coast. It goes from sea to sea, and it is literally affecting every single country in America. That pandemic is what we're dealing with right now in 2020. And so it would behoove us to do the research to figure out how this thing works, how to best protect ourselves as citizens of the United States, how to protect our families, how to protect our communities, how to protect those who we love, because this is such a big deal and it's on the landscape of where we are right now. So COVID-19 is here. So how do we deal with it? Um, how do we deal with it? I pray in Jesus name um, that the stuff that I'm talking about right now is easily accessible um, through uh, simple research. Um, and all of us got primary care doctors that we can talk to. Uh, hopefully you have that kind of relationship with your doctor where you can call them up and ask those kind of questions or have some people in your circle that you have that kind of input too. But I want you to be, I want you to be well informed about what's going on so that you can make the best decisions about you, your family, your community, and your way of life. All right, everybody. So when we're talking about COVID-19, 2020, and what has been the year of the pandemic and all the things that have been forced up on the landscape um, uh, of American life, um, if something so big comes into your life and it has the ability to change your life in these kind of terms, I think it's important. I think it's important that we do the research to find out what this thing is. I believe that everybody has the ability to educate themselves. Now, I'm a big guy on education. I believe in it. I preach it to my kids. I preach it to anybody around me. Education is big. And I believe that there's no um, excuse for ignorance, especially in 2020, where information is so readily available, uh, literally at your fingertips. You could literally find out whatever you want to find out within a matter of minutes. Now, it can take you on a very deep dive or it can take you into a very very shallow pool, depending on your personality and what that looks like. But when something like uh, the coronavirus comes onto the landscape and we literally have been forced into a whole new way of life because of a pandemic, I think it's important that you try to find out the nuances of those things, that you try to research as best you possibly can about the things that are happening in our land. Um, Everybody, let me just share it with you this way, maybe even a 30,000 foot view. Um, We're now in a time where um, uh, masks uh, are not optional. Um, Masks are mandated. Um, Masks are mandated. So meaning that you go into any business, no matter which one you go into, and you'll see a little sign on the door that says mandatory mask wearing before you can come into this establishment. Um, the, the government, the, the United States government, local municipalities just told us just as a week ago with Thanksgiving that you have to limit the amount of the number of people in your home. Um, in Oregon, the governor of Oregon said if you have more than six people in your home, you will be fine with a 
$1,650 fine and even risk imprisonment or being arrested. Gavin Newsom in California has now just in place imposed just Sunday mandatory stay in place orders for almost two million Californians. Well, they can't leave their house without their uh, threat of arrest and or fines. It has caused such an uproar in California that the sheriff's office and uh, uh, um, police chiefs have told Gavin Newsom that they're not going to enforce those particular orders. And so here we are right now where the, the mayor of Austin just last week told everybody in Austin not to go and visit their people for their Thanksgiving holidays, but yet he himself jumped on a jet to go and visit his family. Same thing with the mayor of Atlanta. So you have all of these different things going on. We have now where you have to social distance, you have to do this, you have to do that. The question that I'm having for you that if it's having that kind of effect, that kind of effect on us, don't you think we should know? Don't you think that we should be educated? Don't you think we should be informed about what's going on? This thing has now come into the church circles. And I'm asking you, as I've asked myself, um, everybody, as I stand before you right now on Studio B on this particular platform, I stand, first of all, as a pastor, one that loves God, one that uh, holds his assignment um, to to transfer a truth to the best of my ability to make sure that it is researched as possible um, before I do that, because I understand that people hold on to my words and will hold me to a different standard. And that's just the job that I signed up for. So I do understand that. So I take this particular platform and I bring this information to you with the ability and the hope that you will do the research yourself. Um, because I just believe that's important. And I, t- I started off at the beginning of the segment by talking about that, how I investigated Jesus, because this man told me that if I didn't accept Jesus, I was going to die without hope and go to hell. Um, well, if that's the case, I need to really find out who this person is. And so I did my investigative research. And I believe in the same way God wants us to do this as well. Um, everybody, you're not supposed to be scared. Uh, you're not supposed to be living your life in fear. And unfortunately, when I turn on CNN and I see to the right of the screen constant numbers that are going up and up and up and up and up and up, and I look at Fox, and I look at MSNBC, and I look at all these particular blurbs that come across my iPad and my phone, and I got COVID every single where that I turn, and every single where that I turn, I got something else to deal with on this particular issue. And so what does it do to the human soul? What does it do to the psyche of, of man? It inevitably causes fear and anxiety. And so what does God say about this? At the end of the day, when I do my research and I find out about COVID, I find out how it's transmitted. I find out how I keep myself safe. I find out the incubation period. I find out where it comes from. I find out what I need to personally do, how it impacts me, my family, my community, and my way of be- my well-being and how I interact with people. Then I got to ask myself a question. With the knowledge that I have, how now do I interact? And let me just share something with you, everybody. Um, This is not the first pandemic that has crossed the American shores. It will not be the last. Uh, this will not be the last pandemic that we see there because we're in a cross cultural society now, because we have airplanes, because we have ships, because we have all these different means of, 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 of transportation of going from one continent to another. We're always going to have these types of things. But I want you to hear something about how God created man. And in, in, in Psalms 139, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The body itself has this amazing ability to self-regulate. Doctors will even tell you this, that the body itself is a is a fabulous specimen to, to, to study because it is full of so many different complexities about how to handle certain things that enter into the body that is not supposed to be there. So how do we deal with things without going overboard, without going to the edge, without living life in fear and anxiety? Know what you're supposed to know. Know what you're supposed to know. But I'm going to say something in Jesus' name that I have done for my family. I don't believe that God wants you to uh, to come to, to hover in the corner scared, uh, scared to interact with people, scared to interact with society because of the things that are going on around you. I was having this conversation last night with a good friend who is a Christian, and I said one of my things is I agree with what Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 when he says, Lord, who has believed our report? 
Who has believed that God has us in the palm of us, of his hand? Who has believed that nothing will happen to me except it go by the throne room of grace? Who will believe what God in Job? Who will believe those particular moments? Is it just a fairy tale when we hear about Job and that Job was a blameless man in all of the East? And then here comes Satan in verse number six of chapter number one of Job. And God asks him, where have you come from? And Satan says, I've come from to and fro. And then God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Is is it one thing just to say it that the palm that my life is in God's hand and that God holds me and that nothing will happen to me except from the will and the purpose of God in my life? Is it just Romans 8 and 28, which is just an anomaly that we say that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose? Is it just one thing to say that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him? Or do we really believe this? Now, everybody, am I telling you to go out there and live willy nilly and, and, you know, ignore all the science? I'm a science guy. I believe in science. I believe that science and the Bible go hand in hand. God is a science guy. God is a science guy. God created science. And so, of course, I believe in science. But I do not believe that you are supposed to live your life in fear. I do not believe that you're supposed to hunker in your bunker all day. I do not believe that because that's not what God has called for us to do. If you look at the World Health Organization, suicide and depression is up by 300 percent in 2020. 300 percent as a pastor, the kind of conversations and counseling that I'm having to deal with in 2020 is unlike any other year. Now, I've dealt with suicide. I've dealt with depression many times before in my pastoral life, but never so much now in, in 2020. More marital issues that are popping up in 2020, more work issues that are popping up in 2020. The fallout from this pandemic and all that is going on is massive. And so what does God say about this? To the Christian, to the one who claims to love God, to, to the one who holds up their hands and says to Jesus, I owe everything. I look to the hills from which cometh my help. All of my help does come from the Lord. Is, is that just being too spiritual or is there really this promise that God is going to keep me? Hear, hear, hear what I'm saying. In, in Hebrews chapter nine, verse number 27, this is what it says, that it is appointed unto a man once to die and then the judgment. Everybody's given two days. Everybody's given a time to be born and a time to die. Those two days will never be moved. You are given a time to die, a time to be born, and you're also given a time to die. The book of Ecclesiastes says this, that there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. I got some news from you. Pandemics are in the Bible. God has saw and overlooked pandemics. They've always been there. But what does God want us to do? How does God want us to respond? And what I say here as people of God, people who hold the Bible to be true, this book that we hold in our hands, this book that we have claimed our eternity on, this book that we say is truth, this particular book right here, we have to hold on to the words of that because you're telling me that God can save you for eternity, but you're telling me that God can't take care of you in time. That God can save you for eternity that will never end, but God can't take care of you in time. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my right hand. That's what he tells the, uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 41 and 10. He tells Paul in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven, don't be anxious for anything. He said, you can't live your life scared. If you live your life scared, you can never accomplish what God has called for you to do in your life, because doing what God has called for you to do means to overcome fear. And fear is always based in the unknown. You're scared because you don't know what's going to happen. If you knew what tomorrow holds, you wouldn't be scared of tomorrow. If you knew what every minute was going to bring, every hour was going to bring, every day, every week, every month, then you would not fear the unknown because you knew what was going to happen. 
Fear is always based in the unknown. So hear me, saints. Yes, COVID-19 is here. The science of COVID-19 is there. It's got a 98.6% survival rate. Yes, we got 79 million people that have tested for it, almost 8 million people that have tested positive for it. 200,000 plus people have unfortunately met their demise. But we do not talk about the 7.8 million people that have recovered from COVID-19. We don't talk about them. But the 200,000 people we talk about But in the same vein, we don't mention that 343,000 people have died from cancer. Out of that 343,000 people that have died from cancer in 2020, 179,000 of those have been because of smoking-related cancer. But yet America doesn't outlaw cigarettes. We got people dying from alcoholism. If we are so in tune with public health, outlaw alcohol. So what are we talking about here? I'm talking about we are now living in a time where if somebody coughs, we get anxious. I saw something a couple of days ago that shook me to my, it didn't shake me to my core. I don't want to be over dramatic, but I saw a lady go off on a man. And this was an older, uh, an older young, uh, older lady and a younger man. Um, he was walking up, I was going into PetSmart um, to get some things, and this lady was walking out, and this young gentleman was walking behind me, walking into PetSmart, and at the time, he did not have his mask on. So as the lady was walking out, this older lady proceeded to scold this younger man for not having a mask on. I, and I mean scold him. It, it, it was such a scolding that I stopped and was getting ready to interject into the moment because I, I, I was amazed that this older woman would treat this younger man like that. And this, and this younger man said this to the older lady. He said, ma'am, I was putting my mask on. I just had it in my pocket. But the interaction of this older lady coming out of this store and a younger man coming into the store and he didn't have on a mask, she thought it her duty not to encourage the man, not to say, sir, in a, in a very polite manner, not in anything uh, uh, in, in that way. She scolded this man because he did not have his mask on. And I'm asking you, does God want us to respond like that? Does God want us to, to be like that? No, because he says in Psalms 56 and verse number three, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And, and, and the purpose of this is, as a pastor, I'm looking across the landscape, and, and everybody, let me just kind of brag on what we're doing here. Um, we have a, a, a Bethel's family, uh, through all of this stuff that is going on in, in the world, in Houston, in Texas, in the nation, and around the globe, um, we have been going with barrels wide open. We've had to adjust. We've had to pivot. Um, we've did the online things. We did all of that stuff because we had to do it. But the ministry here at Bethel's family has not stopped. Uh, we're still feeding almost 7,000 people a month. Uh, we got a dentist office here inside of the, the campus. We just completed a couple of weeks ago a brand new state-of-the-art uh, playground in the amount of $438,000 that was paid in full on last Friday. I delivered the last check to them last Friday, so we made a $438,000 investment paid in full during the pandemic. I praise God for my pastor, Pastor Waltogis Jr., and when we lead, um, you know, as leaders, we got to get out in front of it. As leaders, we just got to get out in front of it. We got to do sometimes what others will not. I thank God for his bold leadership in doing some things that he was criticized for and that the ministry was criticized for. But God ultimately placed his hand on it because I believe, and I'm going to go to my, my grave believing this, everybody, that God has called the church to be the last line of defense. We are the last line of defense. We are essential workers. Uh, we are the essential workers. We don't get days off. We can't just chalk it up uh, like everybody else can. And in that same vein, how does God want us to respond as children and as people of God? Everybody, I'm simply telling you in Jesus name, you can quote this scripture. We hear it all the time. Second Timothy one and seven, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, uh, love and a sound mind. Now, we know that God has not given us fear. So when fear is in us, we know that it's obviously not from God. We know that. So when we're fearful about situations, when we're fearful about if God really has us in the palm of his hand, I know what the experts are saying. I know what this guy is saying. I know what that guy is saying. But ultimately, I got to trust that God has me in the palm of his hand. I got to trust that God is looking for me and looking out for me. 
And saints, I'm at a point right now to where I'm tired of being politically correct. I'm tired of crossing the T's and dotting the I's and saying what everybody wants to say without any dissension, because those who descend are crushed. Those who descend against the popular opinion are crushed. Those who dare not go against or go with the norm of thinking are crushed. We have businesses right now where you can open up a a bar that has a 75% capacity with no social distancing, just mask. But then you'll put a mandate on the church that they can only allow 25% capacity. Tell me that. You allow a gym to now be open, but you allow a church to be still shut down. In Belize, right now, in Belize City, our good partners in Belize City just recently sent me an article where a pastor was arrested because in Belize, the country of Belize, not the city of Belmapan or Belize City, but the country of Belize has a very minute amount of cases. And he just sent me an article a couple of days ago where a pastor was arrested because in the city, in the country of Belize, you are not allowed as churches to have more than 10 people in your church. I don't care what the size is. So the pastor and his wife, you can only have an additional eight people inside of that church. And there was this article, this news article that showed a pastor being arrested because he had 17 people inside of his church on a Sunday morning. They arrested him. They later let him out that day, but he was arrested because he had more than the required 10 people in his church. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about all the things that are being done in the name of public health and your civil liberties that are being trampled upon right now in the name of public health. And everybody, I am not telling you not to take this stuff seriously. I'm not telling you not to go out there and wear your mask. I am telling you not to live in fear. I want to bring to you this right here because I think this is a, a, a very appropriate one. In Deuteronomy 31 and 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who is with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. What are we? Where are we at right now? As you are watching this on whatever platform, if you're listening to it on whatever platform, COVID-19 has either directly impacted your life or indirectly impacted your life. There's nobody on the face of the planet that can get away from COVID-19. Nobody. Now, everybody's being affected by it in some way, shape or form. Yes, we have to adjust. Yes, we got to do certain things. But everybody, I want you to think about what does God say about this particular issue that we're in right now? Um, never, never, never in American history. Um, and I say America specifically because I reside in America. Um, but never uh, any time in American history have we had measures um, as steep as we had. Um, again, um as a Christian, I have to hold a, a certain viewpoint that operates outside of whatever situation that I may be in. And, and I think that as Christians, when we take those stances of this is what the Bible says, this war, therefore, this is what I must believe. We're going to take some heat for that. We're going to take some heat for that. Um, it is just par for the course. It comes along with the territory. But I, I'm reminded of so many verses that were flooding my memory even this morning in devotions where Jesus said that the one who seeks to save his life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. There are so many scriptures that we say kind of haphazardly because we've been in church for so long and we've heard it so many different times that they almost just become arbitrary. They become a religious colloquialism. But everybody, I want to I want to encourage you with this. God has got you. God has got you. When you're looking at the book of Luke, uh, those who may not know, uh, the gospel according to Luke was written by a medical doctor, Dr. Luke. He wasn't a PhD. He was a medical doctor. So one of the gospels in the Bible, in the New Testament, was written to us by a medical professional. So God believes in science. OK, God had Dr. Luke. Paul called for Dr. Luke before he was getting ready to be beheaded by Nero. Dr. Luke was a good friend of Paul in the ministry. Paul was able to be ministered to by Dr. Luke because of his medical background. So this is not anything new to the Bible. This is not anything new to the world. But here is what is new. 
Everybody, when you live your life in perpetual fear, you cannot accomplish the things that God has said for you. One of the things that I have been desperately struggling with this year is my missions. I haven't been able to do missions. I haven't been able to get on a plane and travel to these particular countries and see the people that God has introduced me to that I love. I haven't been able to go to Belize, Africa, Honduras, and all these places that we go because the travel restrictions have been so tight. And I'm keeping abreast about what's going on, but I haven't, I've only been on one trip this year and that was in early February before the coronavirus really and COVID-19 really kind of took off. So at this point in the year, I would have probably been on eight to nine mission trips. Uh, because I love the Great Commission. I love extending the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ through the four corners of the world. It's something that I find passion in doing. I haven't been able to do that. And it's been a struggle for me this year. Um, the partners that we have ministered to in these particular countries, um, it's been a struggle. Uh, missionary support in these particular countries have been down because we haven't been able to do what we normally been able to do. And so I want you to think about this, that is, it has far reaching uh, effects than just this little localized area that we're talking about here today. And so what does God ask of us? Um, everybody in Jesus name, it says of the man Noah in Hebrews 11 and seven by faith, Noah being warned about the things not seen and reverence prepared an ark for salvation for him and his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness according to his faith. If this pandemic is as severe as it is, why are we not doing more for the kingdom of God? If so many people are dying and so many things are going on in this world, this should be an impromptu moment for the church to get even more busy for the things of God. We should be more busier for the things of God if we're in the environment that we're in right now. If we're in this cultural, this cultural free fall, this racial free fall, this pandemic free fall, and we see things culminating to a certain time, we should be busier for the things of God, not coasting in the things of God. But if we have people that are um, taking this thing and going with it all the way to either side, Everybody, I just don't believe that God would have us to do that. I told you at the beginning of the podcast, 366 times God has told us, do not be afraid. I had a good friend who unfortunately lost his uh, wife. Uh, he didn't lose his wife to COVID. Um, he lost his wife because that was the time in which God called her home. I know that sounds hard. Just a couple of days ago on Saturday, we did a candlelight vigil for a 19-year-old uh, young man who had expired. He didn't expire from COVID-19. It was his time. And so listen, everybody, please hear me. As a pastor, I am not telling you to be arbitrary, to be willy-nilly or anything like that. But what I am telling you is that your faith has to supersede your fear. I am telling you that you are not to be afraid. Your time is your time. When God is ready for you to come home and walk the streets of glory, God is going to call you and you cannot reset that appointment. You can't be late for it because that's the time that God has given you. We're all given two dates, a day to be born and a day to die. And everybody, while we must uh, adhere to all the protocols here at the Church of Bethel's family, we got hand sanitizing stations everywhere on Sunday, on Wednesday. We a mask up. Um, if you come to the church and you don't have a mask, we're not going to do you like that lady did to the guy at PetSmart. But we will give you a mask to come into the sanctuary and to enjoy fellowship amongst believers. We're doing all of those things. We're following all of those protocols. We are doing all of that. But everybody, please hear what I'm saying. It is time to get back to living. It is time to get back to life. It is time to get back engaged. I get it. I get it. And so does God. But it is time to re-engage back into life. It is time to put fear, anxiety, and all of those things that have been angsting up in us these last 11 months, 12 months. It is time to now start to re-engage. And there are some things in which we can do to re-engage. One, I want to challenge you to trust God more than you trust the TVs. I want the supreme expert that you place your trust, your hope, and your assurance in is to be God. I don't want you to ignore what the experts are saying, but I want you to weigh what the experts are saying to what God has said. And while we must be diligent in our due diligence, please hear me. God has us in the palm of his hand. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139 says. You know my rising up and my laying down. You know my thoughts when they are far off. He said, even if I go to the belly of hell, you are there. I can't get away from your presence. Why? Because you made me. I'm not preaching to you. I want to encourage you that we must now engage. We must now engage. And everybody, when you're looking at this pandemic and all that is going on in the landscape of today's society, in today's world, not just in America, but all around the world. Everybody, I want to ask you this. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, we're going to be left with just us and God. One day you're going to breathe your last. And on that day that you breathe your last, you want to be able to have said, I gave everything. I left it all on the table. I left it all on the table. One day when you breathe your last, you want to be able to say of that life that you lived that I did all that I can. Fear is the greatest weapon that the enemy uses. The greatest weapon that the enemy uses is fear because he knows that fear paralyzes you. And God is never meant for you to walk in fear. He's never meant for you to be dominated by fear. God wants you to live in the freedom that he has provided for you through the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. And so this podcast was dear to my heart because, man, I got family members that I'm talking to. Um, our Thanksgiving was a very odd um, weird kind of Thanksgiving, um, uh, very weird. We had Thanksgiving in my mother's driveway as she separated chairs down her driveway. It was very weird. Um, we had six people who came over, uh, very weird. Um, uh, Christmas is just right around the corner. I'm sure that there's going to be some social distancing and some protocols, um, attached to that. Um, and so now this whole new norm is now the norm. And I'm just asking you, um, as opposed to walking in fear, I would ask that you trust God, that you trust God because he's promised that he's never going to put more on you than what you're able to bear. All right, everybody. So in Jesus name, man, as we're talking about this COVID-19 and all that is going on in 2020, man, we are standing just a couple of weeks away from flipping over a brand new year. And if you're like me, you're ready to leave 2020 far in the rearview mirror. I am so sick and tired of hearing about all the stuff that we've heard this year ad nauseum. Uh, in Jesus name. So I am looking forward to January the 1st, 2021. As soon as the clock twi uh, strikes 12 o'clock, we're going to be celebrating and partying like it's no other because it is time for something new. I want to encourage you, encourage you, encourage you, encourage you as much as I possibly can. God has a plan for your life. Everything that is happening right now may catch you by surprise, but God is on the throne. He is sovereign and nothing happens unless he either allows or ordains it. You are a child of God. You are held in the hand of God, John chapter number 10. And here's what Jesus says in that same chapter. No man can pluck you out of his hand because nobody has the power to do it. COVID-19 doesn't have the power to do it. Trump doesn't have the power to do it. Biden doesn't have the power to do it. No thing has the power to pluck you from the safe arms of Christ. And so if you are resting in the assurance of Christ, here's what I want you to know. Stop being scared. Don't be scared. Everybody, God is a good God. Uh, I know um, this Bible. I, I've read this Bible. I love this Bible. I love what it what it what it teaches. Uh, I love learning about how God operates through uh, through humanity. And the Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter number three. Literally nothing new. The Bible says that what has happened has already happened. It's a big old deja vu as a as it relates to God. God knows the beginning from the end because He's the Alpha and the Omega. I know it may sound Christian-y. I know it may sound like spiritual pie in the sky. I do understand that. I do understand that. But at a certain point in time, we got to rest our faith in Christ. We got to rest our assurance that God has us and that nothing will touch or come near our lives except by the plan and the purposes of God. COVID-19, elections, social unrest, political unrest, all that 2020 has done is not escaping the plan of God. And so let me finally tell you this. Um, as Christians, uh, 
Um, the Bible says that we are peculiar people. Um, we are different. Um, I, I hold this to be very, very um, dear to me because I have people following me. I have a wife. Um, I have four children. I have people that um, depend on me in doing what we've been called to do. And so I make sure that I try to uh, do as best I possibly can because I know that eyes are on me at all times. And so I understand that the purpose of leadership is to lead, but I also got to be mindful about how I lead. And so I want you to understand this as well. When people are watching you, when people are seeing you, what are they seeing? Uh, Everybody, please hear this. Um, I I was sharing with the men last night in this last little segment. I was sharing with the men last night that many of us are beneficiaries of entrepreneurs that took great risk in order to produce products and services that we now currently enjoy. Uh, Some of the things that come to mind is like Jeff Bezos with Amazon um, uh, with a little PC in the corner of his garage, sold everything that he had, liquidated everything that he had um, in order to chase a dream that started off with just selling books in his garage. And now it has morphed into Amazon to which eight out of 10 families in America now use Amazon. It's a service that we all enjoy, but it was given on the sacrifice of one person. You know, we got Steve Jobs, all of us have an iPhone, iPads and all of the Apple products and how he risked life and limb and all that he had had to liquidate in order to start those companies. And so many of us are beneficiaries of people that risk it all, literally risk it all. And that's not even going back into the channels of history when we're talking about Martin Luther King, Mega Evers, Malcolm X, who gave ultimately their lives um, in order to give us a greater day. So we are beneficiaries of people who were leaders in the very truest sense of the word. And in times of trouble or when leaders are shown the greatest, in times of trouble, in times of uh, disarray, in times of unassurance, that's when leaders stand up the most. That's when leaders are really leaders. It's easy to lead when it's not a pandemic. It's easy to lead when uh, there's nothing going on. But when things hit the fan, uh, will you lead in those times? Will you lead? And as leaders, as God has called us to be leaders, we are the salt and the light of the world as believers. I get it, everybody. I get it. Please do not think that Pastor Holman is denying science. I am not going against science. I just cited to you Johns Hopkins, Harvard Medical, the CDC, and all of these experts and all of their analysis with the data points all in between. I believe in that stuff. But I believe that there's a greater source that is greater than any scientist and any expert. I'm very leery when someone calls themselves an expert, but leery of that particular practice. But I have a faith that believes that God is going to take care of me. I really believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I really believe that he sits at the right hand and he is making constant intercession for me even right now. I really believe that he told me in Psalms 92 that no plague shall come near my dwelling place. I really believe that, that my life is given and that my life will have an end date and that there's nothing that I can do about either one of those days. And so because I can't do anything about those days, I got to live the best life that I can in between those two dates. My day of birth and my day of death. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, we are having several, several funerals here around the Church of Bethel's family. And I'm hard pressed to right now think about one of those deaths that had to do with COVID. We've had a lot of deaths. Um, We've been going to Cullen on quite a number of occasions. Um, But I'm trying to think right now as I'm thinking out loud about which one of those deaths had to do with COVID uh, specifically. And I bring that up to you, everybody, because I don't know if you know this or not, but you're going to die. I know we're all trying to avoid that great day. I know we're working out. We're trying to eat right. We're trying to do this and we're trying to do that. But you're going to die. There's coming a day that everybody's going to breathe their last. Everybody's going to breathe their last. And so when that day comes, when that day comes, Just know within yourself that you've given everything that you possibly can in the life that God has called for you to live. And you can't do that if you're walking around scared. 366 times God says, do not fear. 
For those who are watching, make sure that you go to our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter page. You like, comment, subscribe, and follow to make sure that you don't miss a single episode of Studio B. And again, good news for those who didn't know at the beginning of the podcast, we're now on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Google, and all of those particular platforms where you find your other podcasts. Search for Studio B, the podcast, and any of those particular platforms and make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Everybody, I want to thank you for joining us. Your viewership is not taken for granted. Thank you for joining us here on the set of Studio B, and we'll see you next week.